Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Flowering of the Human Spirit, a podcast about Edinburgh with no festivals for the first time in 73 years, so that's since 1947 when the festival started as a, an antidote to the catastrophes that of the Second World War that we've just been through. The idea was that the festivals would bring people and artists together uh, to uh, bring about a flowering of the human spirit and just a general healing of humanity through the arts and culture. I still think that the arts and culture are um, worlds are capable of playing a huge part in healing the world and this year of all years where we're in a global event uh, unprecedented and unseen in our lifetimes that you know the arts and cultural um, world has, has got a, got a big part to play in, in what comes next and I guess the question or, or one of the many questions but the, a big question about the festivals that I have this year is are they really doing that um, now that we're pausing and looking at whether we want to continue things in the same way or whether we want things to change and be done differently uh, we, we can see the, some of the cracks that have appeared in the overall festival dream commercialization of the festivals themselves the expansion and growth and growth and growth and not necessarily growth in cultural activity but growth in commercial activity the unequal platform that exists in in, pro- in, in all the festivals really but you know some some more so than others uh, the fact that uh, at the festival fringe which has overtaken all of the other festivals in size uh, is dominated by comedy is expensive and inaccessible for performers and then the ones who risk it and try to come along are essentially on their own and financially uh, left very very uh, out of pocket most of the time by their experience and they are basically just trying to buy an opportunity by coming to Edinburgh to have their work seen by the right people and and become a hit and take off and for some people that's not even ever going to pay itself off in the long term because whatever art form they work in is not as commercially successful uh, as comedy I mean I think that uh, the the idea of having uh, an uncurated program which is essentially anybody that can come this is what the fringe does anybody who wants to come and put on a performance <coughs> and they can if they can get themselves a venue and a lot of the venues are operating a, a pay to play model so people have to pay to have their show put on anybody who, who can do that can, can be in the fringe program the big massive whopping uh, phone book that is the Fringe programme and and also have their tickets sold by the Fringe box office but I mean that's a utopian idea to be able to have a festival the biggest arts festival in the world that's open to anybody who wants to come but in, in actuality 
it's it's not open to everybody who wants to come it costs a lot of money it co- takes up a, an enormous amount of time there's competition with so many other performances and events going on and there's you know it's certainly inside there's certain insider knowledge that helps but it ultimately it's very high stakes very expensive and very rigged in favour of people with certain advantages. It's also uh, really been a massive concern for people who work for festivals and people who perform at festivals like The Fringe and and who, who are involved in the festivals, all, all the festivals or some of the festivals in Edinburgh that um, mental and physical health uh, during these during these uh, heady days of August can be a real struggle and if you happen to be I guess fortunate enough to be mentally robust physically fit and healthy and just have you know certain certain advantages in that regard perhaps you don't think about that as much but for for certain people it's very 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 prominent reality and so for example uh, somebody that i know who has fibromyalgia um has never been able to participate uh, despite wanting to and probably n- not the barrier to um you know getting getting a venue might not be the barrier because that would that would prevent other people because sh- she is connected in that sense that she could probably get a get a venue but you know f- she she couldn't commit to doing a, a run of shows every day and yeah i mean artists artists uh, that are at a disadvantage as well if they don't have the right the right budgets or you know the right connections and yeah it's all, all in all it can be quite an unequal picture but uh, one thing that would just stop you from even being able to consider it in the first place would be having um, disadvantages, mental and physical health disadvantages, and and uh, and having to balance your energy, which is absolutely essential for people, especially with long-term chronic health conditions. Sick of the fringe was a campaign to help with uh, you know raise awareness of, of the of this issue and sick of the fringe have done really great work in bringing this to light and uh, apparently the latest the news the latest news is that they are now going to be working in partnership with the fringe and the fringe festival society to uh, i guess bring the that awareness and provide support for for artists performing at the fringe and that's great and i i I don't know what the content of that partnership is but it certainly sounds like a good move uh one of the things that really inspired me today actually was reading a piece by sage nicomas wright that was commissioned by sick of the fringe it's a really beautiful piece and uh you can find the piece on Sage Nokomis's own website, which is sagenokomis.com. 
Siege and Commerce Rates, sorry, Siege and Commerce Rates website. And um, it's a sketch, I suppose, of her experience in Edinburgh. And it's about visibility. And she talks about connecting with other indigenous performers who had come to the fringe and also connecting with other you know performers who were strangers and finding a sort of family of of people um with whom to enjoy the fringe it was really lovely and it really did encapsulate a lot of the feelings of the experiences of the festival and the random connections and the serendipity and just the sort of joyous buzz that happens and also you know the idea that I loved in the piece as well was that you know this family that she'd found who were strangers to to one another before became uh, you know supportive of one another in so many ways and it's, it's really lovely because I, I'm sure like that I, I think that reading it is, is the best way to um, get inside the perspective of a performer coming to the festivals and how overwhelming that must be not knowing anyone, not really knowing the city, not potentially having much in the way of signposting to what what is where and what what to do and what what not to miss where to go what are the essential experiences and that just leap into the unknown uh where you're you're sort of trying to make the most of this time and this place and the festivals going on around you and just the sense of sort of quite heightened FOMO really Uh, that is uh, FOMO as in standing for fear of missing out I mean the FOMO can be absolutely enormous so and and so it was a lovely piece and I would highly recommend reading it I'm going to link it actually in the show notes and so that you can find it easily if you want to read it she talks about in the piece uh, having sharing a flat with some other performers that she'd never met before and because they don't have a living room they have to meet in the hall and that's where they meet to talk and eat snacks and laugh and cry throughout this month and how that hallway she talks about oh that hallway is now sacred ground and I thought that was just a lovely idea because the, that idea about sacred ground which I, I, I can't pretend to have a proper understanding of but as a sort of you know a, an important thing for indigenous peoples uh, and the idea of, of sacred ground being somewhere something where significant events have happened just made me really think about how Edinburgh that's something that the festival's bring to Edinburgh in a sort of intangible and spiritual sense that you know every because also the visibility of history through the you know ancient walls and monuments and cobbles and old buildings and like just remnants of life from hundreds of years ago of, of in this city everywhere 
you know, that's that idea that significant things have happened on every, you know, in every patch of ground, and uh, in ways that we think about. But we also, you know, we have this festival every year, and people come from all over the world. And if you imagine, I just, I just think that it's a lovely concept that even just a random flat in Marchmont as as uh, Sage stayed in with these strangers who became friends that flat be- becoming infused with meaning that and and the you know the hallway becoming this special place because so much sort of human connection and and uh, and empowerment and support and emotions were were shared there and I I just love the piece so yeah please please give it a read if you're missing the festivals in particular you know you'll you'll recognize them from the from the piece and incidentally there there's also another uh, piece that I should give a shout out to which was written by Demi Nandra and I mentioned Demi in one of the previous podcasts because she was mentioned in the she was mentioned in the Lynn Ramsey piece that was in the stage uh, about what now for the Edinburgh Fringe as she was the performer who uh, had been you know open about having taken out a 16 grand payday loan I think to bring her show to Edinburgh and uh, how it, you know, it had paid off for her in, in opportunities, I suppose, but, or at least that's what, that's what that piece had said. Uh, but her piece for The Sick of the Fringe was about race and trauma. And I think, and I think it, it, like, it really resonated with me as well for completely different reasons. And one of the things, both of these pieces resonated from the sense of um, the sick of the fringe principles that they that they are looking to promote is the idea of seeing each other in person. And so Sage's piece was, was looking at that a lot, but also, you know, like managing your energy and putting your well-being first before busyness and before FOMO and before you burn out basically because there's nothing as important and precious and very hard won and sometimes irretrievable if you have chronic health issues than your well-being it can be very very costly to burn out when you your recovery may be impaired by you know existing health situation so Demi Nandra's piece, I really liked it. I really, I really liked its candidness, and she talked about. I mean, I, I, will, I will link it as well so that you can read it, and I'm not going to spoilerize. But she did talk about in the piece um, the audiences and her observations of audiences and the way that they consume work about trauma. And this also reminded me uh, of, because I, I relate strongly 
Now, I can't relate from the point of view of, obviously, racial trauma because I'm white and I have not had to experience racialized traumatic experiences, but I find it personally quite difficult to watch shows that involve trauma because I'm just a very empathetic person, I think, and that's sensitive person and I'll be really affected by it and that doesn't mean I won't watch it at all but I just have to you know I have to limit uh, how much I consume of that kind of work and if I watch so Demi talks about you know actually just ending up watching like one or two performances a day and I yeah I relate to that strongly Um, and watching a performance a particularly affecting performance can knock back my energy for days so so I, I really related to that um and yeah that reminded me of going to see play which was in the traverse uh, a few years ago I think it was three years ago of Emer McBride's A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing and that was just, I mean, absolutely incredible. It was so moving and so completely captivating and affecting. And I remember afterwards just coming, like, so it was an evening performance. Uh, it was a, it was actually at the very sort of classic theatre uh, tea time slot. And, and with uh, the friend that I went to watch it with, Peggy, and we went afterwards to uh, go and have a go and have a pint, and obviously mull over, mull over the performance. And another friend joined us, and uh, was obviously just wanting to know the goss and catch up and chat about what had been going on. And we were just both like sort of slightly shell shocked and sitting there like just not even not even drinking our pints which is kind of unheard of for us and just sort of like re- the, the performance was still resonating um, because it had been a, a really powerful performance but also the subject matter had been really deeply affecting and the performance as as good performances do and the fact that it's actually you know it's based on a, a book which is a wonderful and devastating book it had you know really drawn on traumatic experience and emotions so well that you were you were you were in it you were you were so affected by it and that experience is not you know that's not the first experience that I've had of of that but it's it's a it's one of the most memorable ones, or it's not the only experience I should say. It's one of the most memorable ones of recent years, and uh, I don't even. This is always controversial to anybody that I know that likes uh, theatre. I'm not a big one for theatre. I I do I have seen plays and I do go to see plays uh, that I want to go and see, and probably more than the average the average person because I you know I, I generally my culture vulture and I like to see loads of things but theatre is not it's not my favourite and uh, 
that might sound yeah that might sound very odd as a sort of blanket statement and it does tend to shock people when I say it but this was just the absolute like epitome of a of a performance where you go in and you're almost just like you're like immersed as though you're underwater and then at the end you come out and you're you know you're in a different reality from uh, you know from the one that you that you left behind when you went into the theater and the arts and culture are you know, arts and culture are so important to to us and our lives and our senses of identity and connection and self and and how we make sense of the world and you know and, and actually I think I've had you know I've had I'm so lucky I've had experiences that have moved me in different ways to the same extent probably from every kind of artwork that you can that you can name because that's you know that's one of the privileges of living in this wonderful city um so i mean i could like i can already think off the top of my head of art exhibitions of artist talks of book events of all kinds of events and festivals and out with the festivals as well where i've been moved to that extent by all these different forms of culture and so even as just as a somebody living here who enjoys the festivals you can get this intense sense of FOMO that there's so many things there's well there is so many things going on that you can't possibly go to them all you start you start to get a bit of a sense of perspective on your own energy after you've lived here for a few years <sighs> you know you don't you can't try and you don't try and do too much because you know that that thing that you bought the ticket for in advance that you really want to go to will end up you'll end up uh, having to go and have an early night because you because you went and tried to do too many things thinking about FOMO and mental health and one of the, you know the forces that drive you to do too much and expend too much energy uh, you know, there's so much of that going on. It's like a, it's like a virus of its own when the festivals are on. So, you know, you you go to a thing, a, a a performance, and afterwards you'll spot somebody you know, and they'll tell you about something they've just seen and how it was fantastic, and you have to go. So there you are. So you've been given a right home. Oh, I must try and do that because this person is whose taste I trust says it was fantastic and then you know I'll go to you know uh, I'll go to get a cup of coffee and I'll bump into somebody who's a journalist and they'll be like oh what are, what are you doing oh I'm I'm just going um going home now and then I'm going gonna go back out later and see a thing and they'll be like oh I'm going to see like tw- I've got to go and see like 12 shows in the next uh, 16 hours and uh, I haven't even I haven't even had my a proper lunch today <sighs> and uh, you know and and oh I'm busy busy you know all, everyone's busy and uh, so so then you then you you wander on your way off somewhere else and and you perhaps uh, you know bump into somebody 
that's got a show on that you that you know who has a show on and you know they're just like it's, it's day 20 by now right so it's tw- or it's the 20th so it's day like 13 14 and they're just uh, looking absolutely haggard and wired from from trying to do so much and and uh, and they've got shows every day and maybe their show doesn't actually have that many people coming to that performance that day so they're a bit worried and upset uh, maybe they haven't even had a review yet or like of their show and they're you know they're, they're worried and nervous and anxious about that and there's just it's it's infectious it's these these sorts of vibes are infectious and they're not all positive and one of the things that when I think about performers and mental health and, and physical health and people's capacity and energy and or you know how many spoons they have which is another another expression used to talk about chronic health um, conditions and, and energy management it's like how many spoons you have a finite amount of spoons and they just get used up and sometimes you don't have a choice about what they get used up by and you know once you're out of spoons you're out of spoons you don't have a choice i don't know where that originated from but i'd love to find out um but this spoon theory <laughs> uh, but yeah the the idea of having models where a group of performers share venues and alternate in performances so that you know maybe they do if five performers five performers use use our space every every day of the week or you know because because you like you know it's it's the difficulty of trying to get a space for for a few dates you can't really do that um and you're not necessarily i don't know you're not necessarily as visible if you only have a show once a week and i don't know that i mean that's just how that the the structures of why fringe for example works the way that it works where with people doing a performance every day for for the whole festival is just you've got to uh, got to try and make the most of uh, you know it's it's fomo it's just more fomo you've got to make the most of the opportunity while you're there um don't don't miss out on 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 that night that crucial night that that promoter might be going out to to see some things and your show wasn't on and they're like oh well you know i'm I'm flying home to australia tomorrow uh so yeah and then there's also the networking and the parties and that's something you know it's in sage's piece that i'm talking about um you know there's this idea you've got to try and go to the parties and network and meet the right people that's exhausting for a lot of people i think a lot of people are acknowledging this sort of thing now as well with uh, with lockdown uh that they they really didn't realize how much it was taking out of them to try to uh network as much as they did because like obviously networking's kind of gone out the window for for the meantime and a lot of people who like that i've spoken to and, and not just in the arts but like yes in the arts as well have talked about the how they really don't miss it um they've not had to network 
they've not there's been no expectation and they just didn't realize until they stopped doing it how much energy it took up and how interconnected that a lot of it was with alcohol and having alcohol free spaces is another issue that i think will become if if it's not starting to, to bubble under the surface of the festivals then it will soon because alcohol is uh you know it's alcohol culture and drinking culture is undergoing some shifts already and actually it's a big part of inclusiveness too to have alcohol free spaces because some people don't like to even to be around drink yes for for you know perhaps reasons of addiction struggles Uh, but some people just don't like to be around people who've been drinking and uh, that's if you if you have ever taken a break from drinking or are non-drinker then you're gonna know exactly what i mean and yeah like sort of networking being fueled the social world being fueled by drink um on many many occasions i have to say like because i'm a bit unusual i don't i don't i, I can go to an, an event that involves networking and, and and be just sort of fueled by my own my own rocket fuel and and other people's energy and and not have a drink at all and be fine i'll still be tired afterwards but um some people can't they just can't bring themselves to do it without without a drink in their hand or maybe two drinks and maybe it's even sometimes a a reward it's like well you turn you turn up to to do something that you don't really want to do which is drinking sorry which is schmoozing i should say and the drink is the reward that you you know helps to relax you and yeah it's it's a it's an interesting relationship there because when you take drinking out of the equation of networking i mean it makes it more accessible for quite a lot of people but on the other hand perhaps inaccessible for other people so that's another interesting topic especially when you're talking about socializing in the arts world and networking some people would literally be fainting at the idea that we should have alcohol-free events or have parties that don't involve uh, cheap white wine. <laughs> anyway, I loved that piece by Sage and I, and I, I loved the piece by Demi, for both for very different reasons. And uh, by the way, just before I go, I want to mention that the Sick of the Fringe, um, Fringe Central are having a uh, event, an online event on Monday, so Monday the 24th of August, where they're talking about issues around the, the Fringes, Sick of the Fringes campaigning and health and mental health and, and, and really good panel for that, including Lauren from Sick of the Fringe. So I would uh, urge you to check that out. Look at the, I think it's on the Sick of the Fringe website um, or the Fringe Central website. And if I can find the link, I'll uh, I'll link it in the show notes. 
but very much worth checking out that discussion I reckon I'm going to try to tune in myself when it's on if I, if, I, if I can and if not I'll try and watch it later and do let me know, make me aware if you know about any interesting events that are coming up which we'll be discussing this um, I guess I want to sign off with the message that this year a lot of us have had revelations personal uh, and and professional revelations about what we <clears throat> what we really value in life and what, what's really important to us and what's meaningful and the idea of like relentless busyness and stress that had become a part of so many people's lives and what the things were that had driven that and the pressures that had driven it and and starting to you know the scales starting to fall from certain people's eyes in terms of you know the the life that they were leading the lifestyle and the and the day-to-day life and the the space the headspace that they'd been in and there's been a lot of conversations about mental health online and you know in various forums uh like either you know online panel events or or pieces of writing really good pieces of writing and you know I'm aware that there's a lot of people whose mental health is really suffering right now as a result of what's gone on and completely understandably uh for and for from a variety of reasons you know people working in health health professions uh really suffering from stress and uh, anxiety and exhaustion and depression and people who have been stuck in the house and not able to socialize suffering from you know these conditions all, all kinds of and all kinds of mental health ongoing lifetime mental health conditions that have been exacerbated by routines being disrupted and treatment being interrupted and so it's there's so much there's so much um emerging in terms of awareness of mental health now as well and people also having crises of of like you know existential crises might sound like a bit of a a, a bit of a cliche but essentially you know they're having existential crises about what are they what are they doing with their lives um and and also just struggling with the with the ongoing situation and in this context of of what we're in right now i think there were people when the when the festivals were cancelled you know of course it was unconscionable to be having people together in enclosed spaces and that just wasn't going to be able to happen but i'm sure there were a lot of people who just thought well that's going to be a a lot less stress in my year (laughs) to not have that in in uh, going on because it sort of pulls people along it's just like a you know a force of nature in itself pulls people along into pursuing lives or you know day-to-day and longer term lives that they didn't necessarily want they didn't necessarily choose for things to be that way 
they might have wanted to make it in their respective art form, but they they didn't want to burn out by the end of a month of um, going to performances and performing and going to parties and trying to network and uh, drinking too much and not eating very well or forgetting to eat altogether or overwork trying to get all their reviews in by a deadline staying up too late getting up after poor night's sleep and you know heading out to do it all over again um so i don't know it just it seems more than ever to to reflect upon that situation this year it seems it, there there is a sense in, in my mind of why do we do it to ourselves and of course it's exciting and and positive and wonderful and filled with just really precious things that we do need to safeguard and 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 the important precious things that we need to safeguard are the culture and the bringing together of people and the connections but you know just a thought we don't need to safeguard alcohol we don't need to safeguard the serving of alcohol the making of exorbitant amounts of money through bars um we don't need to glorify busyness we don't need to have a million reviews of shows and we don't need to we don't need to have performers performing every single night we and we don't need necessarily a situation where um everybody needs to come here that's another that's for another podcast but you know everyone you know everyone does not need to come to edinburgh uh in order to be a part of the festival and to experience it just that just a closing thought um, and everybody needs to be kind to themselves and remember that it's a extremely competitive world and that life will not end if you don't manage to go to every single thing that you wanted to go to um, just enjoy it and remember to have a sandwich in the middle of your busy day okay thanks for listening I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast and uh, if you're worried about missing out you know having a bit of podcast FOMO which I'm sure you're not because you know where I am and you know I'm posting every day but you can subscribe the podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and all kinds of other places as well you can find all the places on the Anchor FM page for the podcast and uh you can also find us on Twitter at Flowering Of, and uh, I hope you enjoy your evening. And I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>